eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome into the Odds and Audibles podcast. Matt Preem, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack, all on today's show. It's an off day for the Ducks from a media perspective. Uh, I believe it's an off day just in general, right? They're not practicing today. They are not practicing. August 10th, which is a Thursday. Thursday is one of their days off. That's new this year. Uh, to go along with a Sunday day off, um, we'll have to get Dan's. We'll have to ask him why. Why the change? What led to this? The extra day off during camp. I think that's notable. Um, we've been able to get into a couple practices now uh, to, to see a little bit of practice. Um, we've gleaned a little bit of stuff from that. We've also been able to speak with a lot of guys on the team, including head coach Dan Lanning, multiple times. And uh, I think it was Eric that came up with the idea, like, let's just throw together some interesting nuggets that we've all kind of collected from the first, what, eight days, nine days of, of fall camp, media day. Um, Eric, this was your brainchild. We'll let you go first. Okay. Yeah, I think it's been a week. And I'll, I will note something that we were just talking about before we got on here. A lot of what we're going to go over is, are our physical observations of what we've seen from players like entering practice in the early moments of practice and what we've heard coaches and players say, because if we're just being honest, there's been very little to take away from actual practice that we watch. It's very similar to what we've had in the past where it's stretching guys working on punts and a very limited uh, group position drills. So uh, there won't be a lot of like, this guy's running with this group and we're excited by it because we haven't really seen any of that sort of thing. So I wanted to kind of give that um, up front. The first thing I have written down is how about Makai Williams joining the football team? And I don't think this yeah. is like the, the biggest story for the season, but this week, not a lot of things that are more significant than just having a guy who's run nine, eight, six in the hundred meters. Um, a former Olympian, we should note, uh, was a relay alternate in 21. Uh, the way that works in track and field is if you, I believe, are one of the, the six fastest or eight fastest, I can't remember, uh, finishers in the 100 meters, you get to go as a relay alternate. So he was part of the team in 21. Um, Hasn't run quite as well the last year or so. Don't know if, know if I have an explanation for that. But regardless, his him not running as fast still means he's running sub 10 seconds in the 100 meters, which remains faster than anybody on the football team. And frankly, probably anybody on most football teams in both college or professional football. So this is a very, very fast human being. Um, not a lot of football experience. Dan said he wanted to play, so they kind of offered out the olive branch. Hasn't played football since his freshman year in high school. Up at Benson, I think he was playing junior varsity. So this isn't somebody who has a ton of experience, but shoot the prerequisites of just being uh, an incredibly fast human being, um, built pretty darn well. I think he's about 5'8", 5'7", 180, 185 pounds. I think that'll be somewhere 
around where he's listed if he's on the team long enough to be listed whenever we do get a roster with heights and weights, which we haven't gotten so far. Um, but certainly someone of note that is at least a name to know, at least to acknowledge the fact that he's with the team. We'll see what becomes of this. We've seen players join from other sports and have small roles. I remember Johnny Lloyd from yep. the basketball team, what, half a dozen years ago, he ended up being kind of a you know fill-in punt returner, had some nice moments. You've also had guys who don't even last a week or two who've come out from basketball or from other sports. So I don't know what this is going to turn out to be, but if he can figure out how to catch a football and run really fast with it, that could help work in this year. So that's kind of what we've got there, I think. What What do we think is like best case scenario for Michael Williams to 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 play uh, this coming season for Oregon? Like I I think it becomes like he's like a special teams ace, whether it's as a returner or as someone that just flies down the field as a, as a cover guy, like that's going to like, I feel like that's his best case scenario, expecting him to be a contributor going over the top, catching bombs from Bo Nix feels very unlikely. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe Jared, Jared, why don't you answer it first? Why don't you ahead and answer that one first? Cause I bet we're going to agree on this one just in terms of what you anticipate the ceiling is. I mean, Best case ceiling is that that guy who goes deep and catches bombs for Bo Nix. Is that going to happen? No, but that's his ceiling. Um, yeah, no, very limited football experience. Maybe he picks it back up and picks it up quickly. Um, a guy for as athletic as he is, you know, some of these things kind of come natural, but you you watch him during punt return drills and you realize that the rust has still been knocked off or still not been knocked off from his lack of football playing days. I would be very surprised if he does anything on this team. I'd be surprised if he was on the fall roster. Um, that's just because uh, there's a lot of other things behind the scenes where it's like his scholarship is for track, not for football. Mm-hmm. How is he that. going to perform at football? Um, he is also going to be like an Olympian sprinter for most of his professional career. So why on earth would you risk that playing football for, for like a sport you haven't played in five or six years? So those are other things behind the scenes, but just in terms of a pure football player, yeah, I think very, very best case scenario is he is similar in terms to Devin Allen, but that's not going to happen because Devin Allen was actually a good football player while also being a very good sprinter. So, uh, if a fifth string punt returner, I think he's sixth string right now, so fifth string, so bumps up one. To, and I think we do have to acknowledge the scholarship stuff is kind of notable here and the way this works. Um, and by the way, I totally agree with what Jared outlined. I think the best case is, is what he said. And, and like, maybe he can help you as a gunner on special teams. But I think the idea of expecting him to be your return guy is pretty lofty just because that means he has to be confident and consistent to be catching good. the football. Yeah. We have no idea if he's that from what we've seen in the two practice sessions we've watched. He hasn't been, but again, early days for that, but to the scholarship part, um, if he plays for Oregon, if he suits up this fall, uh, he can't be a scholarship track athlete. There's an NCAA rule that dates back to, I think, USC basically in the 80s were, were stacking the roster for football with track players. So they had, uh, you know, your star receiver would be a track athlete because he was also running track rather than on the mm-hmm. football. They, they, they got rid of that years ago that you could do that. So the moment Mikai Williams actually plays a snap at Oregon, he counts towards the scholarship count unless he, for, I think, foregoes all being a scholarship athlete altogether. So right. either he's, if he's on the team, he's either as a walk-on or he's a scholarship football player. And that becomes, that complicates matters because then you're talking about the 85 uh, limit there. So 
um, that's another kind of contributing factor. And we'll see what happens here. I mean, I, I, to Jared's point, like I wouldn't be stunned that he's not on the team by the time they kick off against Portland State. And I wouldn't be surprised, I guess, if he's with the team and never plays. And we don't have to really worry about much of this stuff with the scholarships. But we'll see what happens. I, I think this is just like kind of an exciting early part of camp story that maybe becomes more later. But I think we all have a, just a little bit of hesitancy of saying, oh, this is going to be this really exciting thing because this is a guy who hasn't played football in like, what, six or seven years. And now you're asking him to go out here and play this sport really fast. He won yeah, football. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And it's not like he's playing at. That's you know Portland State. He's playing State, at a no. massive school that yeah that had a lot of really good receivers. All right. Well, let's see. I think my number one takeaway so far during fall camp. I I mean we're all gonna have a little bit of a crossover because we don't see trying not to swear, we don't see anything at these practices. Um, I think it's just the overall physicality of the team, the physique of players. The added weight, the added muscle weight, um, the trimming down, whatever the case may be per person on the team, uh, just overall for the program. Um, now that Wilson Love has had a full, complete offseason to kind of work with guys, whether it be on the offensive, defensive line, linebackers, whatever the case may be, um, it's it's pretty impressive. I mean, he's got guys looking the part at all positions, uh, including like early enrollee, true freshman. Even true freshmen who have been here for just the last couple of weeks, um, I find that they are they are, they are much more physical than they were like last year's class coming in, the first one under Dan Lanning. Um, and you know, there's countless guys you can point to. I mean, the whole linebacker room has bulked up by like twenty to twenty five pounds. I think they're all playing at. I can't remember what Connor Soley told me. I think he's at like 225, 227, but they're all at that weight. They're all like just under 230 pounds, which Dan Lanning talked about earlier in the in that week where he's like, "Yeah, we need to pack more of a punch from the linebacker room." And I think for all those listening and all those viewing, you sh- you would probably agree with that with the amount of missed tackles right up the middle that, you know, for better or worse, that was some people's faults and other people's not. So that's going to be really helpful. I think the defensive line has slimmed down um, in terms of getting rid of, rid of like bad fat, but bulked up. I think Brandon Doyle looks really good. Popo Amavai, I think, looks really good. Um, Casey Rogers is still ginormous. So uh, I think that these are all really positive uh, signs for Oregon's um, just in terms of their durability and their strength um, and their expectations throughout the season. Um, I think this all really helps. I think Wilson Love deserves a whole lot of credit. That, the nutrition staff at Oregon, um, every player has given a lot of um, thanks and props to to both Wilson and the uh, nutrition staff at Oregon. So I'm excited to see what it looks like on the field because some guy, a lot of guys have talked about how it hasn't hasn't affected their speed, but it's helped them been, from being thrown around. So I'm interested to see what it actually looks like on the field because we don't get to see that. Uh. Boss highlighted a couple areas of like what would translate to show improvement of being a more physical team. Uh, and he said more knockbacks. Um, that's I'm assuming when he's talking about like taking on blockers and pushing the blockers backwards, also ball carriers, you know, ball carriers falling backwards instead of landing over the defender, uh, better, better effort to run into the football. And then he said, takeaways, you know, those are signs of an improved physical defense. Um, Evan Williams kind of started this whole notion of being more physical when 
at media day, he said that, you know, he wanted this defense to be feared. And Casey Rogers and Brandon Dorless both kind of backed that up, um, said, said similar things. Um, and then Bossa was asked, like, who are the guys that are the, the, the tone setters? And he said himself and Evan Williams. I think that's kind of what you would want, like your hard-hitting safety and your hard-hitting linebacker. Yeah, no, it, it's a defense where you need – leadership and you need star players to emerge and i think there was probably a little bit of a lack of both last year um boss is a guy i'm really curious about because we were i mean i led the charge probably on, on pushing the pff grades of this was not a player who graded out very well last year it was one of the worst linebackers from a starting perspective in the conference last year according to pro football focuses grades said that too many times probably this offseason but physically, he's really, really changed his body. And I hope and I think that there's a chance that this really changes what he is on the field. Because I think if you go back and watch last season, a lot of the reasons he was graded that way and a lot of the reasons that people who watch closely were, I think, maybe disappointed was because just physically he got pushed around. Like He would get washed out or run plays, wouldn't even be able to be in position to make the play. Sometimes when he was in position, um, you know, we talk about knockbacks. It went the other way. He was the player getting pushed back. Uh, there were obviously plays in the open field that weren't great. But when you talk about adding, I think he played at 212 last year, and he's he's saying he's around 230 um, right now. Like, that can be the difference. 18 pounds, and gosh, he looks the part. I, I mean, I think he came out and spoke with media uh, earlier this week, and it was like, oh, yeah. We saw him at media day. He was in his suit and all dressed up. But when you see him physically in pads, like, he certainly looks the part. He looks different physically. And um, now it's a matter of what does that actually look like on the field? Um, this was one of my notes uh, for, for or nuggets that we were talking about doing here was just Bossa changing his body and what does that become um, to kind of group it in here and maybe transition over to somebody I know uh, Jared's excited about. I think Devin Jackson has also really changed his mm -hmm. body. Jamal Hill has really changed his body. Jared already mentioned Connor Soley has we didn't know what he looked like as well before he got here, but he certainly looks physically prepared to play inside um, in terms of just being broader than I had anticipated. Um, Justin Jacobs has always been a rather large human being, but he doesn't look like he's carrying much bad weight. I just think the builds and the body types of these linebackers, and again, because we haven't got to see a ton of practice, that's kind of what we're going off of at the moment. Like, it's all very encouraging. Now we get to see what it actually looks like when they get into games, and hopefully we get a chance to watch them move around a little bit. But I'm, I'm at least encouraged by that group, and that's significant to me because that was a group last year that was, I think, undoubtedly the weakness defensively and undoubtedly probably the weakest position group on the team, even though they had a future NFL draft pick and Noah Sewell. Um, this year's group just looks different. And I'll turn it over to Jared if he wants to talk more about his guy, Devin Jackson, because I know we just wrote a story up on the site uh, last night. Last night. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, Eric. I think the linebacking room is, is significantly different, at least physically, than it was last season. Um, I think all these guys are trying to be molded into what is the modern day or prototypical linebacker, which is what I wrote about Devin Jackson last night, because I think he is the like antithesis of what a modern day linebacker is. Um, he's big enough. He's six foot two. He said he was weighing at 228. So that's pretty big of a guy. Um, and he's fast as heck. Uh, people have called him the fastest kid on the team, him and Roderick Pleasant. Uh, I know Williams is now on the team. So that kind of negates the fact that he would be the fastest, but um, for a linebacker to be considered the fastest and not a wide receiver and not a cornerback, um, that tells you a lot about how fast he actually is. Um, and Dan, I wrote this in the story, Dan said a couple weeks ago that there's no such thing as the the old school Mike linebacker where they plug A-gaps, um, a.k.a. Noah Sewell. 
you have to go and run sideline to sideline. You have to go and cover running backs out of the backfield or tight ends. Um, and with Devin Jackson's versatility and his strength, his size and his speed, I think he's the he's the he's the modern day linebacker. He's the Mike linebacker that you want. Um, he's the Mike linebacker that I think everybody thought Justin Flo was going to be with his type of athleticism. Didn't work out, got injured, shit happens. Sorry for swearing. Um, but I think Jackson is can can be that guy. Um, obviously it's really early into his career. Um, it's only his I guess it's just he's a redshirt freshman, so this is a redshirt freshman season. But uh, Jeffrey Boss has said that he's been having a tremendous fall camp. Um, he's been covering well. He's been tackling well. He's been playing the box well. So I'm excited to see that. Um, uh, Connor Sowell said he, there solely said that he was like the fastest person he had ever seen. So that was interesting. Um, but I, I think it's just a guy to watch. I think it's a guy to look forward to. I think if you go back and watch the spring game, you can see that his impact on the game out of the linebacker position running east to west rather than just north to south. So that's my guy. Uh, I've I've been aboard the Devin Jackson fan club for a while now, so there's still time for everybody to hop on. I'll I'll just add that he has run I think ten five four in the ten open, five four yeah yeah in the open one hundred meters while being and this is of course a couple of years ago before he added the weight but that's that's a really really fast time for anybody but for somebody who has that sort of size like woof excited mm. to see it I'm on the, I'm in the fan club too but I know Jared's Jared's the lead member I'll just be uh I guess what's by, Vice president of the fan club. I can. I can. You could be that. a follower, man. Yeah, I'll be a follower. follower. I'll follow. I'll follow the group. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll continue our discussion on just some nuggets we've pulled from fall camp. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Odds and Audible's podcast. Uh, releasing some nuggets that we've been able to pick up. Um, I, th I think all of us have a couple names here, so we're just going to run through them all. Some freshmen or some guys that were on the team last year that just didn't play a lot have turned some heads. Um, Tony Tuioti singled out Ben Roberts as one of the freshmen that redshirted last season that's really – taking the next step he's playing um, behind Popo Amave at the nose tackle position for Oregon's defense. Um, I, I think it's probably still going to take a lot for him to play a lot this coming season because Popo is really good. And then Taki right behind him is, is exactly. there as well. And he was very good for Oregon last year as well. So 
He's behind two upperclassmen, but Ben Roberts has made a jump, according to Tony Tudioti, Oregon's defensive line coach. Um, and then, you know, Dan kind of echoed those same things. He's changed his body a little bit. Things are slowing down. He's not having to think as much. Um, that was something that Kyler Casper mentioned as mm-hmm. well, the, the the lack of having to think and process a play and just react. Those are things that you want to see from guys that redshirted last season and are now redshirt freshmen going into this season. Um, their growth in that area, their understanding of the playbook, the understanding of what's going on on the field, they're doing less thinking than just playing. I think that's what Kyle Casper said. Um, and then one name that's really kind of stood out, we wrote a story about it on duckterritory.com, and then Bossa came out and like just ushered all the praise on him, and that's Tidum Tuioti, true freshman, Tony Tuioti's son um, from Sheldon High School uh, here in Eugene. He, by way of Nebraska, he played his first three years of Nebraska football because that's where his dad coached. But he's bulked up significantly than when we saw him in high school. Yep. The spring. And now from spring to now, he's even bigger. Um, Tony said his son's maturation is, has taken a big step up. Uh, and this is a guy that Bossa said that, you know, they've thrown him in there for the ones and twos. Yeah. And he's not sinking. And just like Ben Roberts, he's going to be behind a couple guys that are upperclassmen. But I think Tatum at least has pathway to, to having some kind of role on a more regular basis than Ben Roberts, but both guys to me that caught my eye in particular. I agree with your assessment there. I, I think Tatum based upon what we know at the depth that the position he plays has a more direct path than Ben does just because as you said, Popo and Taki are there. There's a couple other guys who could play there in a pinch if they need, they just have a lot of depth up front in the defensive line position. I really want to see heights and weights for a bunch of reasons, but one of them is to see what they list Tatum at because I I don't really have a great sense. I think Tony said he was up 30 pounds, which is like a pretty astounding statement. So like, what does that put him at? I mean, he was listed at 220, I think in high school, at least on the 24-7 site. So if he's playing at 250 or 245 even, that's a big kid who can come out and make contributions right away. And to the fact that like, I have this also written down as one of the things I wanted to talk about because it's sort of, it's not. It's a bit unusual that Dan actually volunteers names, especially of young guys who've stood out. And Dan did that. And we should note he also threw out Asa Novasad, Mateo Uyunglele, Cole Martin, who I want to talk about in a second, um, along with uh, along with Tatum. Those are, I think, the four names. He might have had another on offense, but I I don't recall. Um, if 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 Jared or Matt remember, they can chime in. But it was notable that that Dan just to start had names he wanted to share when he was asked about true freshmen that looked good. Um, and it's notable that Tatum's name was one of those guys. I don't think he, you know, highlights or singles a guy out who he doesn't think has a chance to contribute. Now, do I think he starts and plays a ton? No, because true freshmen, I don't think typically start and play a bunch at that position in particular. And we haven't really seen Dan again, it's one year sample do that yet, but I do think the door is wide open for Tatum to have some sort of a contribution, which is, encouraging especially when you look at that position and go like jordan birch and mace funa two of the veteran guys at the outside linebacker spots like mace is done after this year jordan could be done after this year i think if he has a good enough year he'd probably prefer to be done after this year um like there's a chance that like mateo and tatum and those guys are like kind of playing a ton in 24 maybe starting in 24 so early encouragement i think or, or it's encouraging early i should say that tatum is drawing that praise and then i also just wanted to single out cole martin for again 
physically looks like he's even gotten bigger. Like I know um, when we posted our photo gallery uh, after Tuesday's practice, which is the first practice we got to check out, a couple of people on social media singled out Jeff Bossa and Cole Martin as like the two guys that like physically were impressive in the photos. Um, and I think there are a bunch more. We can get to a couple later. But like Cole's somebody who I'm still kind of cautiously optimistic about. Like I don't know exactly what his role is. Again, we haven't seen enough practice to get a sense. And even Joel Lorig yesterday was pretty – pretty tight-lipped about like what he wanted to say when he was asked about Cole. We should note Lorig is the Nichols coach along with the special teams guy. Um, but like those are two freshmen that kind of like been brought up a lot along with Mateo on defense. Like I think those are the three guys right now that feel, again, this is going to be a stretch to even say it because we've seen so little, but like based upon what we've heard and based upon what we've seen physically, those three guys seem most likely defensively as true freshmen to be contributors, I think right now. Very much could change. Very could be right. It's possible none of those guys play at all, and we sound silly saying it. But early fall camp, that sort of gets. That's the sense that I have right now, at least. Yeah, I think all those guys have to learn how to how to play Tosh Lupoi's defense in order to get on the field. Um, I think that was a huge kicker last year. I mean, you hear it from like what Matt was saying earlier about Kyler Casper and and uh, Ben Roberts. Just now, they know what they're looking for. Now they know when a play is called. They know what they're going to do. They know what. Uh, other guys on the field are going to do and they no longer have to run around and the way Dan says like a chicken with their head cut off so um for Cole for for Tatum um I would both expect them to play this year how much certainly depends on um how well they know the playbook uh, I think it's very important or maybe not very important but um I don't think it should come as a surprise that these the the the, the two kids we're talking about the most are coaches kids like, of course, they're going to understand the playbook. And Cole was the starting nickel safety cornerback, whatever the hell you want to call it, for in the, in the spring game. And again, I don't think that should come as a surprise. And depending on Oregon's current safety situation, if they feel more comfortable running Cole out there at a nickel and then moving Evan and Taishim to free and boundary safety, which might not be a bad idea. Um, I think that's I what they're going to do. That. I don't know. I don't I don't hate it either. We obviously have no clue what they're doing because we don't see anything. But <laughs> um, I think Cole can play nickel. Uh, I think he has the physique to do so. Um, you know, just worried because he's a true freshman if he's going to understand it as well as if you had Taishim Johnson playing nickel there. But I guess technically Cole has more time with the with the with the play sheet than Taishim has had. So just some some things to note. Um, Mateo certainly looks the part. Um, I like Blake Purchase. I've been a big fan of his as well. Uh, I don't think he'll play too much this year, but you can see, I mean, there's just been a couple moves and pass rush, um, things that he's done where I'm like, oh, okay, I can, I can see why in like a year or two, you're going to be good. Um, so that's always helpful. Um, Poncho, Ayapani Lalu is another guy that's gotten a lot of a lot of praise throughout uh, throughout this fall camp so far. Um, so he's somebody to look forward to. I, it's going to be tough for anybody to really crack the offensive line rotation because they Oregon's probably eight deep right now. So maybe he's the ninth guy. Uh, it's an inexperienced group, so maybe they'll continue to rotate people. But um, it's just going to be tough to crack any of the rotations there. Uh, Luke Dunn finally figured out how to pronounce his real name done um but you know he's he's back he's punting he's doing that good old thing uh matthew rigney is another guy who's a punter i've been doing a lot of special teams watching in case you can't tell um he's there he's punting um 
Roderick Pleasant has been working with both kickoff and punt return, so that's fun to see, um, as has Cole Martin and Nico Reed, some newcomers. Um, trying to think if there's anybody else specific, but I think that's about it for me. Can I, can I ask if you I, – I actually hadn't put it together, but somebody said online that the photo we had of Dan – or sorry, of Matt Rigney looks like a young Dan Lanning. Have you looked at the photo to, to, to confirm? No, I haven't. Okay. Take a look at it. It's actually kind of not that it's like a perfect one, you know, exact replica in the face, but there's definitely some similarities there. Just for just for a moment of Matt Rickney, this is the kind of stuff we're going to talk about in the podcast because all we've really seen is what two days of him punting. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Oh, I like that. Uh, anything else on the on young guys, newcomers? I I, I just had written down. Um, Terrence Green, who again, I've seen actually do nothing on the field, just but just walking into practice and walking out physically is already one of the more imposing human beings. Um, another guy, like I'll say this several times in the podcast, can't wait to see heights and weights for a couple of these true freshmen or redshirt freshmen or transfers just to see how the bodies have changed. Because like Terrence Green's probably like there's a little bit of, and it's not exactly perfect because I think Jason Jones was a little bit heavier, but like just in terms of the frame and the way they carry the weight. Like there's like kind of something yeah, there they're, with they're big boys. Kids. Yeah, there's a yeah. little Jer- Jason Jones with Terrence Green, um, and I'm not sure if that's going to matter at all in 23. But like at some point, having some kid who's six six, and I bet you he'll be able to play over 300 pounds. He might already be close yeah. to 300 now. Like at some point, there's something there. But again, without having seen him do anything at practice, and no one else has talked about him besides being like that kid's huge. Like it's really hard to to say much but i just think physically right. he has stood out a, a lot of these two freshman defensive linemen look look, look the part like johnny bowens we are talked about in the spring he continues to look the part i think he's kind of um you know continued to add weight and kind of you know recalibrate his body amari washington is really really large but i think he's a year away from being able to contribute just because he's got a lot of weight he's carrying and it doesn't look as natural as terrence terrence green in my opinion um but yeah, I think that's probably it in terms of newcomers that we've we've seen in terms of the physicality. I'm trying to think if there's any other ones. Oh, I was just going to say I, two I, more. I, I, I just had one really quick. Was just um, Austin Novosad has gained, I think, a little bit of weight, and that's encouraging because he's a yeah. freshman. Um, I have yeah. no idea what he weighs again, but like it, you can just tell he's he's Buck filling 75. out. Yeah, so probably like 180 pounds, but he's filled out a little bit since spring. Is is what I would say. Um, uh, Dante Dowdell and Jaden Lamar, um, yeah, both have had Lamar good is very big. Lamar is, is significantly bigger than I had anticipated. Um, yes, looks like a linebacker. Um, but yeah, he got a shout out from Dan the other day, apparently had a long run. Um, him, Bucky, and Noah all had long runs during that uh portion of practice. Um, Dowdell, I, I think, is 100% healthy. Look, kind of seen him sometimes during drills he's working with the kickoff units um looks apart as well uh i think he should be just fine but i think i was more uh just overall impressed with lamar i didn't expect him to be because he's i don't know i posted a picture of um or i had the bucky and uh noah were i don't know they got named to the doke walker award preseason watch list and there's a picture of all three of them of, of Noah and Bucky and Jaden Lamar and people just started commenting and like, holy cow, look how huge Lamar is. And he's, he's a big boy. So um, uh, that was interesting. Yeah, that's it. That's all I got. Yep. Uh, last item I've got was 
pertaining to probably the biggest news outside of the white lines, and that's conference realignment. And uh, players that we've talked to, some of the coaches that we've talked to, like they're all excited for it. But unlike the fan base, unlike the media who are obsessing over it right now, like it's it's kind of an out of sight, out of mind thing for everybody. They've all acknowledged, like, yeah, we can't wait to you know, play in these story programs or Casey Rogers called like the big 10 is like home of the cathedrals of college football and that fans would enjoy going to those games. But like every single player, every single coach quickly then snaps to a, but that's next year. We can't worry about it. We're so focused on right now, getting ready for today's practice, getting ready for fall camp, getting ready for the first game of the season. Um, It's, not really that big of a. I don't. I don't get a sense that it's like that big of a deal to the players. Like, yeah, I, they, there's some level of excitement that you're going to be playing new teams, new places, and and whatnot. But like, they're they're at least how they're presenting it. They're not nearly as fired up, disappointed, whatever you want to use to describe it, as the fan base, as the media are. I get the sense that that is the uh, the media answer that they have all been given by somebody within Could the be. athletic communication staff. Um, Cause they're basically all verbatim. Um, yeah. It's all quote. I'm not looking uh, or like, we're not looking forward to that. We have this season to play end quote, or I'm just trying to get better for this season end quote and not looking forward to that. Um, I think they're all excited. I think that this is just something that they don't really want to talk about. And then they have a scripted answer to give to us, but the guys who actually want to talk about it, talk about it. Casey Rogers went really in depth. Uh, Tony Tuioti went really in depth. Uh, Jeffrey Bossa had some good answers. Uh, Johnny Cornelius had some answers because that's, you know, if if Oregon ever plays Rutgers, that's going to be close to his hometown. So he had some real, like, actually uh, emotional answers towards these things. But guys who don't want to talk about it, I completely understand. I think they just stuck to the script that was given to them. Just like, eh, that's next season. We're just focused on this season. Um, We'll talk about it in 2024. But I think overall, I don't know how they're not excited. I think it's going. I think it's extremely exciting for them um, as long as they're sticking around for the next season because that's always the biggest question mark when you ask a guy. It's like you might be playing next year in the Big Ten or you could be in the transfer portal or you could be in uh, the NFL or trying to do that. So I think that's another part of it too. But um, I think the real genuine answers you can tell the difference from. I think everybody's excited, but I think some guys just don't want to talk about it. And I get it. I also think both things are probably true in terms of I think there's general genuine excitement and then also the reality that they aren't playing Big Ten teams this season. And that's also yeah. true. And they want to focus on the upcoming year. But I do think you get a sense just in terms of, to your point, Jared, the kind of more off the cuff answers, especially from those who have like Casey's played in the Big Ten. Tony Tuioti coached in the Big Ten together at Nebraska. Yeah. Like they have real experiences with that conference and the way they talked about it. I think conveys what the rest of the team will feel once they get into it, which is like, this is just a bit of a different animal than what we're used to. Like we're going to be mm-hmm. like Casey said, like every single game in the big 10, every week is at a really cool stadium. Is it like a historic stadium? He, I, the line that Matt referenced earlier stood out to me too, about just this being the, the cathedrals of college football. And that's the truth. You get that. And then you're also going to be playing and there are going to be some, not good teams. That's the way it was in every conference. But there are going to be opportunities to have some really fun competitive matchups against some really 
I would say traditionally and historically great football programs. So I know we're excited. I think the players are probably more excited than they let on, but the ones that have talked about it, I think have been, I think have been pretty good about addressing like, yeah, this is, this is going to be fun. At least those who have common history with it. like, it's, it's probably strange also for like Jeff Bossa to try to really put into words what the expectation is considering his only experience in big 10 country is probably playing in Columbus a couple of years ago, right? He just doesn't yeah. have as much experience as like a Casey or a Tony or even like a Devin Jackson who grew up in Nebraska. Like uh, mm-hmm. those guys are going to have a little bit more to, to lean on, I guess. And if you're Jeff, I'd imagine you, you hope you aren't playing next year. You hope True. that you have such a good season that it doesn't matter and that you are an NFL draft pick. So if I were, if, if he told me that he's just looking forward to this next season, I'd buy it. Yeah, that's a good point. Like there's a lot, there's a lot of these guys that are going to be thinking on the NFL level and not playing in the cathedrals of college football, playing in the cathedrals of pro football instead. Not as fun. I think that's it. Are we good? Did we run through all our nuggets? I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. All right. It's going to do it for us here on the Odds and Audible's podcast. Hey, look at that. Eric said 30-ish minutes, but we'd go for about 45 to an hour. We are closer to 30 than we are to 45. We did our job. Yeah. We're here. All right. That's going to do it for us here on the Odds and Audible's podcast. Thank you for listening to the show. We'll be back next week, or unless some breaking news happens, who knows? It could very well happen uh, here that is justifiable to get on the podcast but until then you've been listening to the odds and audibles podcast talk to you later folks peace